Well, hello, this is Tim Maher with another episode of Failing Up. Thank you, Jungle Jim, for that lovely music. What a talented fellow he is. Here I am broadcasting or recording on near the shores of the Seneca River that lead right out into the large Great Lake of Ontario, which then will feed into the St. Lawrence River and then goes out into the mighty Atlantic Ocean, right on the shores of a river that can take us out into the world. Hi again, my name is Tim Maher, and this is Failing Up. Thanks for... um, taking some time to upload this episode. I apologize for some static that may be occurring during this recording. I have no idea why that's occurring, but hopefully I'll figure it out sometime soon. Uh, What I'm interested in talking about this evening and failing up is leadership. Leadership. What is leadership? And what is uh, what are the traits that make good leaders? You know, uh, leadership, the industry of leadership has really become quite uh, large and quite lucrative for a lot of individuals who are writing books on, on how to be an effective leader or individuals who have been successful leaders and write books or, or go out on speaking tours. And uh, it seems that in the past, as I was worked in many organizations, they were always looking to talk about, you know, what makes a good leader and how do we have better leaders in our organization? And they would cite uh, successful individuals from uh, business innovative leaders such as Bill Gates and and Steve Jobs and athletics, uh, great coaches such as Vince Lombardi or or John Wooden, um, or they would look at political leaders that are iconic such as Abraham Lincoln, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt, um, Martin Luther King, people who changed the world through their leadership. And that, that got me to thinking, what makes a, a, what makes a good leader? And, and also there have been leaders, because there are good leaders who, who lead people, and then there are individuals who have been able to take on the characteristics of leadership for evil. And they were effective evil leaders. And again, what were the commonalities between these individuals? So if we look at at some of these horrible, uh, evil leaders throughout the course of history who who motivated and moved masses of individuals and countries to to, um, partake in just horrible, horrible acts, Um, what are those traits? And I don't know. I mean, I'm not an expert on... On leadership, and but I think what uh, my observations are, and and some of the readings I have done, uh, show that there are certain characteristics between leaders, whether it's in whatever field—science, arts, politics, uh, in a home, in a school—and and I think the the as we, as individuals go looking for these. Uh, magical recipes to become good leaders I think the recipe really is who you are because when I when I look at traits of leadership and I look at great leaders throughout history the one thing that they have in common is they were individuals they were themselves and they brought themselves into the situation and into the organization or into the team that they were leading they weren't trying to be somebody else. And they had been influenced by leadership throughout their life. I mean, Vince Lombardi was a coach at West Point. Um, 
And of course, you know, John F. Kennedy was in was in the military and, and, and there were others who had done readings, but they were influenced. But really what makes all of these individuals good leaders, they were themselves. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was considered a buffoon, an introverted buffoon in public who didn't know how to dress and didn't know how to act publicly and told goofy jokes. But what made him a good leader was Abraham Lincoln maintained himself and was true to himself. Stephen Jobs was true to himself. And, and all these leaders have that trait is that they brought themselves into the situation that they were leading, that they were in charge of, that they were organizing. They didn't try to be somebody else. They didn't try to look for traits in somebody else. They decided that it was going, it was going to be them that people would listen to and people would follow or people would be motivated by. They weren't going to try to clone themselves into a previous leader. And, and I think that's really important that we celebrate our individuality when it comes to leadership. We celebrate our unique personalities. We celebrate our behavioral styles. Are we introverted? Are we extroverted? But we really maintain true to ourself. And I think when you see through these leaders, when that was accomplished, then they become comfortable taking on some of the other characteristics that you see in, in good leadership. You know, they be, most of them were teachers. They became teachers. And whether it was FDR during a depression and a world war, he became a teacher, teaching a country through communication how to continue to have hope, how to continue to move forward. And he did that through consistent communication. He did that through confident communication. But he also did that by teaching. Abraham Lincoln was a teacher. Um, through, he used metaphors. He used jokes. He used stories to teach his cabinet, to teach those that he was trying to lead. He would get his messages through, th through the metaphors, through the jokes, through, through telling stories in ways that were non-threatening. Lincoln was a great storyteller. But all those stories were told for a reason. And people would leave or his cabinet would leave after he told a story and they would be looking at a situation a little differently. Lincoln was also very comfortable in identifying what he was good at but surrounding himself with experts that he would need to be able to accomplish the goals of saving a country. So he surrounded himself with experts that he wasn't threatened by but yet that he was comfortable seeking advice and making decisions with. Just as an orchestra conductor surrounds him or herself with a great orchestra and they may not be the best piano player and they may not be the best uh, cellist or the, or the best percussionist or the best violinist, but yet they're conducting all that music. They're bringing that together and they're comfortable doing that with their personality and with surrounding themselves with talented people. And that's another trait of good leaders, whether it be on an uh, athletic field or a political arena, they surround themselves with really talented individuals that they're not threatened by. In addition, they also look for the best in individuals and take time to develop that talent. Vince Lombardi inherited a ragtag team in the National Football League, and through teaching and through driving and through having them buy into his philosophies, he turned them into an iconic championship team. Uh, John Wooden was known as a teacher, teaching life lessons to basketball players. Eleanor Roosevelt 
had the tremendous amount of courage to go out and teach awareness. Another great trait of leadership is courage. Courage to stand up and courage to move forward a belief. Martin Luther King Jr., Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., taught a country, moved a country by constantly teaching, by having the courage to leave no mat- lead no matter what the consequences were. All of these leaders celebrated their individuality, were confident enough to work with experts, and were teachers but in them, within themselves. And I, and I just thought that was really interesting that they shared these, these traits. And all of them understood the importance of communication, of consistent communication. Consistent communication so their message was not forgotten. Consistent communication that in turn creates um, consistent communication that in turn creates uh, a comfort that creates a an expectation that creates a a norm and, and motivates individuals to to follow to to believe in what they're teaching or to take on those challenges. Now, these are great leaders, but there also have been very evil leaders who can use that manipulation and, and manipulate individuals through the same, through the same uh, characteristics. They're very charismatic. They, be, they remain true to their own personalities. They have agendas that are self-serving. When I go back, oops, when I, excuse me, they're hitting the mic here in the basement. When I go back to the effective leader, the good leaders who have changed for the better, uh, whether it be political, whether it be athletically, whether it be artistically, whether it be in a classroom, whether it be in your home, they are always, the, the commonality is these leaders are always putting the overall objective ahead of their own self-interest. So if it's politics, they're putting the, the, the country or the community ahead of their own interest. If it's a, uh, an organiz- a religious organization, they're putting the, the community and that organization ahead of their own interests. If it's an athletic team, they're putting the team before their own self-interests. Same with a, a, an orchestra or, or a, a classroom. A teacher is looking at the success of the students instead of his or her own interest. A family putting the interest of the family instead of the individual. I think it's really a critical point. And in that point, the leader is looking to something beyond themselves. And they're selfless in that way. They're not looking for self-gain. They're not looking to, to promote themselves. They're looking to, to, um, to create something for the greater good, depending on what area they are in. And I think that's really an important uh, opt characteristic. Um, so when we take a look at not so good leaders or, or leaders that tend to uh, wreak havoc, uh, cause horrible, horrible pain, uh, atrocious acts of violence and manipulation, they share many of the same characteristics as very talented, successful leaders. They're charismatic. They stay true to their own individuality. They um, motivate, and they use communication effectively. However, they motivate for the purpose of themselves. 
and they, they're opportunists. They, they reach out to an audience that they've identified who they can manipulate, you know, and an audience that is not going to question, an audience that feels in a sense that they've, um, uh, have a right to be um, heard, that they've been mistreated in some way. They, they're, they're manipulative, and they use communication extremely, extremely uh, effectively. And they know how to use a f- communication, whether depending on the era, whether it's radio, whether it's uh, rallies, whether it's um, constant bombardment of, of commercials. But the message is always consistent, and the message is always targeted. And the message usually, usually has to do with fear. It's usually a message that's based in fear, um, motivating through fear. Follow me or you're in a lot of trouble. Follow me or things are going to be horrible. Follow me or everything is going to go um, wrong. And, and they motivate through fear and a consistent of fear. And they use fear and paranoia so that those that follow these leaders then view anyone who challenges them as threatening them, threatening their security in some way. If you don't follow this individual, um, you're after me. You're going to attack me because this individual is letting me know that unless you believe in this cause, whether you, unless, unless you believe in, in this philosophy, um, things are going to get really bad. And, and they motivate through this. And in, in the courses of history, we, we've seen this time and time again. We saw it, you know, it caused World War II and all the horrendous acts of, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, of Adolf Hitler. How he motivated crowds through rallies and how he motivated through fear and ignorance and, and individuals and, and slaughtered millions of people um, just senselessly and horrible, horrible acts um, through manipulation, through um, playing on, 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 a, on people's um, fears. We've seen it recently, and we're, we're seeing it now in our country. We're uh, a country so divided through fear, through fear and ignorance, and, and it's constantly perpetuating the divide, not only in our political parties, but also in a lot of our philosophies, but being driven through fear. I mean, the previous president used fear as a motivating factor. He uh, pretended that things were okay when they weren't okay, and he would um, project fear if not followed in a very effective way, which obviously led to extreme violence in a divided country and is really brought to head some of the extreme ugliness that has uh, been beneath the surface, realized by many, but now realized by all in, in this country. And it's, uh, um, it's, it's something that uh, leaders of those causes and political um, agendas are very effective at. It doesn't make them uh, good in the sense of good and evil, but it makes them effective in the fact that they're able to motivate a constituency um, that's able to um, cause problems and pain and issues. So, you know, so leadership is a really tricky thing, and it's a really uh, powerful um, skill, and it's really um, 
something that um, is innate to the individual and it's learned through life, I believe. And I believe that it's, there's not a book. I think, I think leaders have a vision. Leaders have a vision, whether it's self-serving for themselves, um, that makes them the selfish leader, which usually their agendas are not for the bene- benefit of um, all involved. It's very selfish. selfish. Or they have a vision for bettering the world in a way or bettering a situation in a way that benefits more than one. And I think that's really uh, the beauty of the courageous leaders. You know, I look at the leaders who have courage. You know, I look at the courage of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, being sent to the Birmingham jail and, the, and the, the important letter that was drafted, the letter from the Birmingham jail, and the awareness he created. I look at someone like um, Bobby Kennedy, who had enough courage and had enough self-awareness to actually change his um, philosophy and to change his way of looking at things after his brother, the president, was assassinated and actually went against a war. Many of many of the previous his brother's administration's policies, Bobby uh, decided to go against when he realized what was for the betterment of the country as a whole. Um, and I think that, you know, those type of leaders, Abraham Lincoln, who put a country ahead of any, everything, um, understanding the importance of um, uniting a country, understanding the importance of having equality in a country, you know, and, and other leaders who at times when we look back now, even if you look back in the 60s and you think of um, marches in the 60s and, and now it seems as if, well, maybe that was um, pretty cool and pretty safe. But at the time, that was pretty scary and pretty risky, um, civil rights movements in the 60s. They are as they are today and, and uh, equal rights for, for women. And um, it took a lot of courage to do that and a lot of vision. And it took a lot of the individual's um, own personality to come through and to be able to surround themselves with um, individuals who would uh, support them and communicate through them. So I, so I don't think I, I don't I don't think you read a book and become a leader. I really don't. I don't think that you all of a sudden wake up and say I want to be a good leader. I'm going to be a leader today. I think I, I think it comes down to um, having a passion. Uh, and that passion can be uh, a large cause, or that passion can be um, your family. That passion can be your neighborhood. And not one is more important than the other, but it's having that passion. I think some of the greatest leaders that have lived will never know their names because they've just done extraordinary selfless acts. And I, and I believe that those acts did uh, would have come from uh, their extreme sense of self and their extreme courage and again putting the overall objective or the lives of others ahead of, of their own um, you'd read articles in the military or stories in the military how uh, leaders would lead their uh, troops into combat in front willing to fall for the troop and if they survived how the troops would look at that individual knowing that they were um, putting it all on the line for them so leadership's kind of a funny thing. I think it's a word that's thrown around all the time. I think it's uh, it's something that when you're in organizations, they're always saying, you know, we want we want to see more leadership. And you know, I would respond as well. If you want to see more leadership, uh, how are you leading? And what are you looking for in in leadership? You know, if you're developing a team, you're understanding the 
complexities of the individuals on your team. You don't just, you know, have a team with a, a group of individuals and, and each one is, is assigned a task. You have to really invest yourself in your team and understand how to communicate with each individual. You have to be able to have each individual feel valued. You have to be able to understand uh, what's going on in their lives, you know, and, and how to communicate with each individual. And you have to be comfortable and flexible with really uh, accepting feedback that's coming back and, and understanding the needs of those individuals. I think it's the same. I think it's the same when you look at any type of uh, of that type of leadership. It's really understanding those that you or us or whoever are um, influencing. It's a funny topic, you know, leadership and who are, you know, uh, good leaders. And um, But I've always been skeptical. You know, I was, uh, when I was at Cornell, there was a big, you know, the, the, the department I was in at the time, it was a big, big, big deal, you know, leadership. We want to create leaders and they I remember one time uh, one of the individuals or the assistant vice presidents handed me a book on leadership. He goes, you know, read this book. There's a really good book on leadership. And I thought to myself, well, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to read this book on leadership and I'm going to come out of here a leader. And then uh, I looked at him and I said, why don't you read this book on leadership? And I handed him Jim Henson's book, It's Not Easy Being Green. I said, why don't you read that book on leadership? And he looked at me cross-eyed because it was, you know, didn't have a thick binder and it wasn't written with all these buzz jargons, but it was a book about collaboration and creativity and looking at the greater good. And I said, why don't you read Joyce Kern's good, Goodwin's book about Abraham Lincoln uh, and take a look at that book and, and talk, let's talk about leadership. Or why don't you take a look at 13, you know, 13 days about how consensus was reached so the world had get blown up. And let's take a look at how they led. And let's take a look at what, you, you read those three books, and then let's take a look at some connectives in those books. And let's take a look, then let's take a look at your personality. Let's take a look at my personality. Let's take a look at other personalities in this organization. And let's figure out what our vision is. And then we can then we can put all that together and we can boil it up and we'll have a nice little leadership stew. How about we do that instead of reading some fancy schmancy book about somebody who's going to write about leadership and give me seven steps on being an effective leader. I'll give you one step on being an effective leader. Be yourself. Be yourself. Have confidence in yourself. Find a passion. Find a passion. Have a vision. And then move it forward. And, and that, I think, is, 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 is what leadership is. And I think creativity and imagination come into all of that. So um, to read a book and to become a leader, well, I, I would say good luck. To live life and become a leader, I would say yes. I would say, you know, it, it's important to study leaders through history, good ones and evil ones. And, and, and how, how were those um, events, how did those events occur and what was accomplished? And take a little bit from each one, but stay true to yourself. So that's my two cents on leadership coming at you from the basement in upstate New York, right on the banks of the Seneca River leading up to Lake Ontario. Lake Ontario is a beautiful lake, by the way, big, great lake. You know, and individuals who don't get to upstate New York much, they see the Great Lakes, you know, if you come from other parts of the country. And they look like oceans because really when you get on the shores of these lakes, 
it's, it's not a lake in the sense where you're going to see the other side. These are huge lakes. So I recommend if you ever get to upstate New York to check out the Great Lakes. So right on the Seneca River, that's going to lead up to the mighty Lake Ontario. If you keep going on Lake Ontario, you can end up in Toronto, Canada. You could end up in Niagara Falls. You could end up over Niagara Falls. You could take it right up to the St. Lawrence Seaway River. Take that right out to the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, go anywhere you want in the world. Right outside this basement door with a healthy, well-built boat and uh, a packed lunch and some beverages. And you'll be okay. This is Tim Marr. I want to thank you for uh, listening to this episode, this rambling episode of Failing Up, talking about leadership and uh, the importance of leadership is you. And now we're going to have Jungle Jim take us out. I look forward to another episode of Failing Up. Everybody have a great great week. Happy February. And we'll be back soon with Failing Up.